I'm excited to continue week five. Is that right, Pastor Izzy? Week five of uh, the elephant in the room where we have uh, taken some time to address some topics that are just important for us as believers. And I'll tell you, today is a really tough one for, for me to, to be able to communicate because it could be a tough pill to swallow for some. I'll tell you, my, the, the former parts of my ministry year, I, I was an evangelist type, uh, traveled um, through, to, through different states, and, and it was great to just preach an encouraging message. But uh, t- stepping into a pastoral role, I realized that, that it's not always nice and fluffy. Um, but this is not a message that so much is about growing a church, uh, but this is about growing people. Because I, I believe with my whole heart that if we grow, if I grow, a healthy me equals a healthy us. And, and a healthy church gets to progress and move forward. Um, so I'm going to be talking today, week five. Next, next week I'll finish the series with a, a subject on dealing with stress. So um, it's going to be stress management a biblical approach to that. But today, I want to talk about how to deal with difficult people. If you just nudged or elbowed your neighbor, we're going to have a special prayer time for you. <laughs> Don't look at them, just look up here. How to deal with difficult people. It seems to be that the more and more that Time goes on. It seems to be a prevailing subject. And I'll tell you that it's so easy to get caught up in outward appearances. Because the truth is you can think and reflect upon yourself and say, how many times have I come to church and you tell yourself, as long as I smile, I'll give the outward appearance that everything's okay. And only you know the hell that you're facing. You tell yourself that time and time again. And it could be struggles on the outside that, that are wide known. It could be struggles that, that are more private and that, not, that are not wide known. One of the reasons where this message stems from is I can tell you in my personal family, there were two sisters who didn't talk to each other for 10 years. 10 years. They were finally able to make up, and, and they both have gone, uh, they both have passed, but for 10 years. So I want to challenge you, because I, I hope you can feel my heart, is that I want you to be healed deep down on the inside. And I want you to be whole deep down on the inside. That you could look at yourself in the mirror with nobody around and say, it is well with, with me. So I want to challenge you today that we would step in, that you would just lean in with the help of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would allow God to do a work on the inside that can radically change every aspect of your life. But the key word here is to surrender. Are we willing to surrender it to God? Not to any man, not to any person, but we're surrendering it to God. So we're going to look at the book of James. And there's two verses here that pack a big punch. James... uh, is not the disciple that that we're referring to. James is Jesus' half-brother. As you know, 
uh, Jesus uh, had, had half-brothers because of Joseph and Mary. So here you have one of them. His, it's James, and he's, he's building and working and, and building a great church. He's writing scripture. And then he gets to, to James chapter 4, and he asks a question to the church. So he's looking at them, and he, and he writes this, verse number 1, what causes fights? And the quarrels among you. So he's like saying, what's causing all the problems that are taking place? And you could say, that's easy. It's, it's, it's them. It's them. It's, it's him and it's her. And then he twists the verse around ask, after asking this question. And he twists it to what can only be interpreted as the solution. So if we're going to say, if I'm going to say as an individual, God, do something about them. Do something about him. Do something about her. What I am doing in that case is I am basically removing all the power of my life changing because I have tied it. I have required someone else to be involved for my life to get better. I'll say that one more time. If I am going to say, God, I need you to change them before I can change. I am basically removing all the power of my life changing because now it hinges, now it's dependent on someone else being involved for my life to get better. James then continues saying this, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And you could look at this verse and, and, and maybe if you're honest enough and just in your own heart, say, yeah, I have some things going on, on the inside. And then he says, you want something, but you don't get it. And the message translation says, you always are looking to get your own way. You want something, but you don't get it. I want something, and I can't get it. That's the source of all frustration and the source of all anger. All anger comes from the place of entitlement. I deserve something and I didn't get it. They shouldn't have treated me that way. If they would have only respected me. And you can kind of see where James is going as he's writing. And you tell yourself, maybe I shouldn't go to that place. And then he says, this is what you're doing about it. So this whole situation, the, the feelings and the emotions that you're dealing with, this is the result of it. He says, you kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. I want to help you today. If we would just come to God and let him do a work inside of us, that is a place where there is peace. That is a place where there is tranquility. But I, can I tell you, you will only know this until you have tried it and experienced it for yourself. So instead of ch trying to change people and instead of trying to change the, out, the external circumstances, can I just tell you, I need God to change me. Can we just say and be honest with each other and just say, God, I need you to change me. We keep trying to change others, but God wants to change us. God wants to change us, and real peace comes when we surrender our lives to him. So I want to give you five, five important 
things on this subject, on how to deal with difficult people in your life and how to overcome and how to be victorious because I care about the life that you live all the time. Number one, are you ready? (laughs) Number one, overlook the offense from them. Overlook the offense from them. This is much harder in 2023 than it was in 2003. And I'll tell you why. Because America is trending in the opposite direction. If I disagree with you, if I disagree with you, I just don't disagree with you now. Now I hate you. I can't stand your guts if you don't see things the way I see them. And can I ask the question, what have we become? Because that is not what the Bible tells us that we ought to be. We are thin-skinned and hard-hearted. I just can't stand your viewpoint anymore. I can't stand you. Heard of a situation where a pastor was sharing where a, a family that had been at their church for 30 years, left the church after 30 years, and the reason why they gave, they didn't even talk to the pastor in person, they send an email. And they, send the, they say, I just don't know if I can worship next to someone who didn't vote the way I vote. What, what have we become? What have we become? I just can't stand, it's not about just standing your viewpoint, it's about stand, I can't stand you, and it's concerning. Because this is what the world is, this is the philosophy the world has, but here comes the Bible and it has a completely, totally different message. So when somebody offends us, what does it say? It tells us that love has the ability to overlook the wrong. Look what Proverbs 10 And two says in the contemporary English version, it says, love overlooks the wrongs that others do. The rest of the world may not be able to do it, but can I tell you, we can do it through the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. Being offended, I'm going to get offended living But choosing to live that way is a choice. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that you can be angry, but but sin not. And then it says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, don't go to sleep like that. Don't let it prevail. Don't let it keep on going. Because the Bible says that when we do that, we give the enemy a foothold in our lives. The, The word foothold is the word topos in the original scripture, which means a space or a room. When I don't let things go, I give, I'm inviting the enemy to come into my house, and you can stay in the guest room. Lord, help us. I am giving him a place. The word offense comes from the Greek word skandalon, which means the bait. In the Old Testament times, and you'll see, you've seen it in movies, when someone wants to trap an animal, they would create a space 
And, there, and, and, and it's a hole there. And what they would do is they would disguise it and they would put some leaves there. So you would walk and you would not know where you're going. But then all of a sudden you find yourself in this place. It's a scandal on. It's, a, it's the bait. The word offense when someone would just stay there in that place. Satan uses offense as bait to lure the trap of unforgiveness and the trap of bondage. So what, I, what happens is when I hold on to offense, I think I'm trapping the person who hurt me, but in reality, I'm the one who's being held captive. Proverbs 12, 16 says this, when a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. But wise people, wise people will ignore an insult. Proverbs 19.11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Love has the ability. Can I tell you, it is impossible to do it on our own. But love has the ability to look past the behavior into the pain of someone else's life. And to say they must be like that for a reason. The second thing is this, pray for them. Overlook the offense with God's, with God's power, but then I got to pray for them. And some of you do. I know what you're, some of you pray that a thousand flies would find their armpits. <laughs> pray, I pray hemorrhoids in Jesus' name. Hemorrhoids in their armpits. Uh, I don't think that's possible. But someone just said, you, you know, just pray for them and the Lord will give you, will give you a verse. And there is a verse. Psalms 3 sounds, sounds pretty good to me. Break the teeth of the wicked, O Lord. And you're like, that would make me very happy right now. <laughs> but that's not what that means. Pray for them. It's an exercise that benefits you, benefits me more than it does them. Because what that does is it softens our heart as we go before God and present him whatever need it is. You'll notice in the Psalms, a lot of the Psalms start off, they start off a little rough. Where, where David is saying, I got enemies everywhere and they've risen up to, to come against me. But then you'll notice as, as he's talking to God, the verse or the psalm ends a lot different than how it started. What happened? He prayed. He prayed. He brought it to God, to the one that can actually do a work in my life. He prayed. God works in us. Look, look what Matthew 5 43 and 44 say, you have heard it, that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus is talking, but he says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those 
who persecute you. This was so relevant in that time because the Romans actually had a God that was a God of revenge. And they worshipped this God. And Jesus here is teaching them and saying, hey, that's not the way to go about it. There is a miracle that takes place in my life when I can say, I know they did me wrong. And I'm not excusing that. And I'm not minimizing that. No, I know they did me wrong. But I am praying for them. And I'm just asking that God would bless them. That God would do it. God move in their life and only you know what they're dealing with. That prayer in reality will change you. It changed me. So I overlooked the offense. I got to pray for them and then I got to forgive. If you're dealing with difficult people in your life, we got to forgive. And when I, when I talk forgiveness, it's not reconciliation. It doesn't mean that you're going to restore that relationship or that friendship or whatever it is to its original state. I'm not talking about that. Uh, it's not minimizing the offense. It's not saying that what happened was okay. Absolutely not. Forgiveness is saying I'm not going to be the one that holds the bill. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to be the one that holds the bill, that God, you can take care of it. And some think that it's not fair and some think this is not right. Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you to forgive them because they deserve forgiveness. I'm asking you to forgive them because it will help you. It sets you free. Jesus himself demonstrates this as he's hung on the cross and he makes seven statements And the first statement is this. It's found in Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. As they spit on him, as they cursed him, as they mocked him, as they were insulting him. And I know that the movies and the pictures that we see uh, depict Jesus being hung up, uh, that, the cross, the, that the cross was so far up. But in reality, the crosses were just inches off the ground. So it was very common for someone to come by the person that was being hung on that cross and easily mock them and easily spit on them and easily insult them. And Jesus is, is being a recipient of all of this. He says, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Look what Colossians 3, 13 says. You must make allowance. Paul is talking to the church. You must make allowance for each other's faults. Can I tell you, nobody's perfect starting with a guy talking to you this morning. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Can I tell you we don't forgive because we feel like it. But can I tell you I can't, I, I can't afford not to forgive you because I can't let the flow of forgiveness stop in my life. I don't forgive because I feel like it. I can't afford the flow of forgiveness to stop in my life because we only hurt ourselves. And forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it can change your future. It can change your future. And I love the way they put it. Forgiveness is setting a prisoner free. 
only to find out that that prisoner was you. We have to forgive. Fourth thing is this. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless them. To bless means to speak well of. To speak in high regard. Which means I'm going to watch my language now. I'm going to watch what I say. And this is hard because when you deal with difficult people, it's so easy to want to talk about them. It's so easy to want to run to somebody else and say, did you hear about this? Or can you believe this? It's so easy to want to get, to fall into that trap. But instead, when something happens, I have to bless them in Jesus' name. I will bless them in Jesus' name. Luke 6, 27 and 28 says this, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And you say, that's not us. That's not us. No. Speak well. Speak well of the people that come into your life and want to make your life difficult. Speak well of the neighbor that walks their dog by your house, by your beautiful dark green lawn, and lets them use the restroom on there and just leaves it there. Lord, help bless them, Jesus. I'm going to sign myself up for counseling. Don't you worry. There are those people in your life that they're just cutting you off, going down 385. And you know, you want to give them the, 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 the salute. Ready to peel the banana. You got to holster that. I'm going to bless them. But there are those people in our lives. And can I tell you, I have to make an intentional choice to not let that poison me. Because I can tell you, things come that you catch wind of or that you hear and that just want to settle in your spirit. Say, I can't believe they feel like that about me. I can't believe they're talking about me behind my back. And I have to make an intentional choice to not let it become poison in my life. Because can I tell you, it doesn't hurt anybody but myself. 1 Peter 3.9 says this, do not do wrong to repay a wrong. And do not insult to repay on insult, but repay with a blessing. Because you yourselves were called to do this so that you might receive a blessing. What this verse says is God says, I'm going to throw it right back at you. As you do good, good's going to come your way. So I have to decide I'm going to speak life. Amen. I'm going to speak blessing. I'm going to speak goodness over people's life. I'm going to, I'm going to bless you in Jesus' name. It means for some of us that we're going to have to be more intentional of what we are speaking. Can I tell you, can I submit to you this morning that our God, our God saw the earth empty, filled with void. There was nothing out of order 
our God, who is a speaking God, saw this dark and empty world. And our God, who is a speaking God, said, let there be light. And with his words, he created his world. And can I give you a thought this morning that we create our world with our words. I have the ability to shape my world with my words. And I want to tell you that you can change your world with your words. The sun will shine again. It will be a better day. It's rough right now, but weeping endures for the night. But joy comes in the morning. I can, I can reshape my world. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Yeah, my body hurts. My knee popped three times when I got out of bed, but this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. And all kinds of challenges and sickness and trial come my way, but I tell myself I will bless the Lord at all times. I don't, I don't praise him when everything goes my way. I praise him at all times. Whether I'm rich, poor, sick, or healthy, I'm going to lift up the name that is above every other name. I'm going to exalt him. I, I, got to, I got to shape when your kid gets on your nerves. I'm going to bless you in Jesus' name. <laughs> when your boss tells you, why are you running late? Hmm. I'm going to bless you in Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you this world, I told you a few weeks back, the, the book of Job tells us that, that man's life is short and full of trouble. It's going to happen. But how I respond, the rain falls on the just and the unjust in like manner. Sometimes things just don't go our way. But I have a choice in how I respond to that. And I can know that he has been my fourth man in the fire. Time after time after time after time. Is there anybody that knows what I'm talking about this morning? You've been through some stuff, but you're still standing. The enemy tried to knock you out, tried to discourage you, tried to bring you down. But you said, I will not die, but I will live and I will declare the works of the Lord. Because the Bible says, on my tongue is the power of life and death. I'm going to bless. I'm going to bless. I got to do good to them. I got to do good to them. Fourth thing is do good to them. Did I say fourth thing? I meant fifth. Sorry. <clears throat> Got to do good to them. Find something you can do to serve that person in your life. Find something that you can do to serve that person in your life. Going back to, to prayer, when we pray for them, I heard this pastor share this testimony that he said when he would do marriage counseling, he would, uh, he would make the husband and wife pray for each other before the session started. 
And he said it was, it was encouraging to see how, how it started and how it ended. Because prayer softens the heart. You'd have the man say, oh, Lord, this wicked woman. And you have given me, I just pray. And then at the end of the day, Lord, but I pray that you bless her. I pray that you be with her. Because prayer does that. Prayer does that. It changes me. It changes you. So the last thing, do good to them. Number five. I'm going to bless them with something. Look what the Bible says. Romans 12, 17, 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. Notice how it says. Because I know somebody's saying, oh, if, it says if it's possible. It's not possible this time. But if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, in other words, I can't control the response of the other person, but I can control my response. The other person may, may still hate me, but I'm going to make a choice to release that to God. As far as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace with everyone. And says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. God fights for you. Let God fight your battles. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If you invite me out to lunch today, I know why. Not accepting any invitations today. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Because in doing this, watch watch what the Bible says, you will heap burning coals on his head. I know you're thinking, finally, finally a verse. Burn, baby, burn. Burn. coals on your head. You're, I, <laughs> that's funny. But the truth is burning coals was the greatest commodity in this time. There were no stoves. There were no ovens. No conventional amenities that we have here today. So I would have to, it was up to me to make sure that the fire was going because that, that is how I did everything that I needed to. If I lost the fire, it would take a lot of work for me to start that fire up again. It didn't have lighter fluid. There was no way to cook. So it was, heaping coals was one of the greatest commodities in this time that they would bring it and say, here, you, you need some coals to keep your fire going, to keep moving forward to keep doing what you need to do. And that's what Jesus said. When you do this, you'll heap burning coals on their head. And then he says this. The writer says this, do not be overcome by evil, 
have overcome evil with good. Isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? Isn't that what he did on the cross? Do good to them. Do good to them. I know you're thinking in your, in your mind and in your heart, this is, this is too hard. I know it's a big ask, but I'm not asking it for me. I'm asking it for you. And I know some of us in this place may be thinking that this is impossible to do, but I'm drawing to a close this morning. And I just want to tell you, it's impossible to do unless you've been on the receiving end of it. You see, when I was lost in my sin, he forgave me. He forgave me. When I was lost and when I didn't deserve it, he forgave me. I made Desiree mad one day. Just one day. (laughs) And, And I asked her to forgive me. And she said, some words that hurt. She goes, John, I forgive you. Because I want Christ to keep forgiving me. I can't afford the flow of forgiveness to stop in my life. And when you've been on the receiving end of a merciful God, a great God who saw me at my lowest, When I look at my life, God keeps burning, bringing heaping coals over my head, giving me his greatest commodity when I don't deserve it. And because I've been on the receiving end of a love so great, A love so high, a love so deep. Because I've been on the receiving end, it gives me the ability to do something with people that I never thought I could do. Matthew 10, 18, Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. Can I tell you that you can't give until you've received? Until you know what is... What it's like to be down and out and, and for you to have no hope and no chance and for Jesus to step into your life and for him to pull you out of the miry clay and to put your foot upon a rock and to put a song on the inside and for him to, to take the cloak of heaviness, which is the cloak of depression, as, as some may interpret it, and give you a garment of praise. Unless you've been down and out and with your back against the wall and saying, I, I don't know how I'll ever make it out of this, but God in his mercy and God in his goodness steps in If you've never experienced that, this is hard for you. But because I've been a recipient of it, I forgive. And the reality is that the forgiven forgive. 
the forgiven forgive and the blessed bless. You only have capacity when you've experienced it. Paul said this, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. He said, get rid of all bitterness. Rage and anger, brawling and slander. So he lists, notice he lists bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander. And, and he says, in case I, did, in case I mentioned something, because people always are looking for a loophole. Well, he didn't say this. Well, he says, look, along with every other form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. So for some of us, this is a tough pill to swallow, but can I tell you that God loves you enough to share this with you today because he wants you to be free. He wants you to look at the person in the mirror and for that person to be free on the inside. And the thing is that we're not going to individuals today. We're not going to people. We're going to God. We're going to the God that has overlooked every offense that I have committed. The God that has overlooked every offense you have committed. He sees the potential in you and the future you could only dream of. But for us to get to that place, he says, you got to lay some things down. He doesn't want you carrying it around anymore. He doesn't want you lugging it around anymore. He wants you to be free. Father, I thank you today for your forgiveness. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I thank you that you see us at our lowest moment and your love doesn't change. I thank you that you haven't changed your mind about me. You haven't changed your mind about us. I thank you, God. That your mercy, your goodness will follow us all the days of our lives. God, I want to be able to step into what you have for me, Lord. But I know that I have to. I know I have to let some things go. I know you want me to be free. So God, right now, I ask that your Holy Spirit would just flow in my life, would flow in every life that is receptive today. For everyone in this place that's making the intentional choice to say, I surrender to God, God will take care of it. I thank you right now, Holy Spirit, for doing an extraordinary work on the inside that can only be done by you. I thank you right now for lives that are being set free. I thank you right now for prisoners that are walking out of jail cells today. We choose to hold, we choose to hold on to it no more. We will not hold on to bitterness, resentment, anger, rage. God, right now we release it to you and let there be a, a healing that takes place in this house. Let there be a healing that takes place deep down on the inside. Let my heart be healed and let my spirit be healed. God, let my mind be healed. 
Let there be a healing that takes place today. There be a healing that takes place today, God. I thank you that your word reminds us that he who the Son has set free is free indeed. There is freedom today. And there is liberty today. You don't have to live the way you've lived. You can bring it all and lay it at the foot of the cross with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you've been harboring all these emotions, feelings. You've been trying to work things out on your own. And maybe your first step is you need to open your heart and let Jesus come in and be the Lord of your life. He died for you. He loved you that much that he died on the cross so that you wouldn't have to live in a defeated state. So you're carrying shame and guilt and maybe that's you today and you say, today's the day that I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I, if that's you, I just want you to throw your hand up in the air right now. No one's going to come to you. I see 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 you right now. Would you pray? Would everyone at the sound of my voice pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for this indescribable gift. I open up my heart. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I give you my pain. I give you my guilt. I give you my shame. Let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise for everyone that accepted him today? As I'm about you to stand. Bible says that heaven, the angels rejoice and God's people rejoice. As we close our service this morning, I want to create a space where this altar is open. Maybe you're going through a challenge on the inside, on the outside. Maybe your mind has been attacked. Maybe your spirit has been attacked. Maybe you're heartbroken. Maybe there's financial trouble. Maybe there's issues on every side. And you say, God, I really need you right now in this moment. And as a declaration, you say, God, I trust you with it. It could be an unresolved issue. It could be an issue that's very prevalent and well-known. But can I tell you, God knows no boundaries. He knows no impossibilities. He can do anything but fail. He sees every detail. He knows the thoughts that keep you up at night. He knows the weariness and the fatigue that you're facing on the inside. And he is the God that gives just what is needed. He gives strength to those that have none. He can heal the sick. He can restore the broken. He can save the lost. He can deliver the captive. He can do anything you need him to do because he's that kind of God. Father, right now in this moment, as we prepare to worship, as we prepare, God, 
to enter this week and we enter it with worship God we bring to you hearts that are heavy and spirits that are wounded minds that are afflicted God I, I thank you right now because you see every detail I, I thank you right now that you can work in my impossibility I thank you right now that you can work through the challenge God I've tried to work it on my own, but I can't do anything about it, God. So I ask you and I surrender it to you. I surrender it to you. My husband, my wife, my son, my daughter, my uncle, my aunt. I surrender you to you. Every trial, every circumstance, every situation. I surrender to you, God, every thought right now. And I trust you to do what only you can do. I thank you right now for your healing hand. I thank you right now for you bestowing blessing upon blessing upon blessing. I thank you right now for opening doors that no one else can open. I thank you for closing doors that no one else can close. I thank you for moving in every heart, every mind, and every life. Do the work that only you can do today. Right now, we trust you for it. We trust you with it. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, right now, I declare it in this house. I declare in this house that every need will be met. I declare right now that provision will take place. Right now, God, I declare it. I believe it. We trust you for it. In Jesus' name.